Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a current 12-day dive into the wonder and amazement of the Christmas season. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is Zach rocking around the Christmas Mabry. <laughs> Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm 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 still still rocking around the Christmas tree on uh, day 11. Fantastic. Tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry. Z A C Mabry. Our guest for the full 20 minutes is at Haley Carrots. Haley Stewart, author of The Grace of Enough: Pursuing Less and Living More in a Throwaway Culture, which I am holding in my hand as we speak. Haley Stewart, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I I actually don't have a copy of my own book right now because I gave my last one away. <laughs> is that the isn't that the point of the book though? You always like just be giving things away. <laughs> I guess so. I guess that makes sense. Did yeah, you, you you really took home the message? You don't even have a copy of the book. <laughs> did when you wrote a book? Did people tell you? that you want them to buy it and keep it? Or were you just like, no, they have to just keep giving it away? I am definitely fine with people giving it away and okay. passing it on. Okay, great. That is definitely, definitely okay. I mean, I do appreciate when people buy it, but I get excited when people pass it on as well. Yeah. No, I, uh, I full disclosure, I have not started it, but I am working on a, I have another book I need to finish before I start this one. I try not to start like five books at the same time. Oh, I'm the um, worst about that. I start like 10 and then I feel like I need to be making progress in all of them. Right. And then I just get paralyzed. Yeah, it's no, it's not good. You should keep on with your one book at a time thing. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll usually get going with a book and then I'll decide like, okay, I think I grasped the thesis of this book and then, then I'm done with it. And more than likely I haven't actually grasped the whole thing, but I'm just like, no, eh, I think I get it bored now. <laughs> yeah. That's that's your brand. All right, so <laughs> we are here on day 11 of the 12 days of Christmas. And day 11 is, I totally forget, and I got to pull it up, 11 Pipers Piping, which is the 11 faithful apostles. Now, for the apostles, one thing that Christ said to them is, come follow me, leave all behind and come follow me, which we thought we could morph into talking to Haley Stewart about her idea of living in a throwaway culture and not bowing to the God of materialism. And also uh, we can talk about the actual in-depth of leave all behind and follow me, meaning leave everything behind and come follow me. But um, so I'm actually going through a move right now. Um, I am a few days away from moving and I'm realizing that I have like 80 times more things than I thought I had. And I know that's in the intro of your book, right? You moved, you, were you moving to Florida or from Florida? We're moving, we're moving from Florida. So we lived in like a little starter home. Right. We had three kids at the time and we were moving into a 650 square foot apartment in Texas. So we knew we had to get rid of about half of our stuff. And I think we ended up getting rid of more than that. There's that point when you're moving and you think you're like about halfway done packing boxes. Mm -hmm. 
or, or you think you're almost done packing boxes. There's like, you think of it just as like the corners and there's a few drawers. And then you realize as you look closer, you're actually only like 40% done packing. And it's the worst, most miserable feeling. So I'm sorry you're moving because I hope I die in this house. I never want to move again. <laughs> if we live in like 1200 square feet and I'm like, we're never moving. People are just sharing bedrooms. Is this, I'm, I'm so over moving. Is this where we cautioningly say, we hope you die in this house too, but it also, that sounds really weird when we say it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It, I think, I think uh, what happens is you actually don't have a lot of stuff, but then when they find out you're moving, stuff just appears like it's a rite of passage when you're moving. So you, all of us, none of us have much, but when we go to move, we have all of it. I think it's just like the same stuff too. We all pass it around. It's the worst. And it's yeah. the worst when you open up like a box, you, you realize I need to pack this and you go, wait, I haven't used this since the last time I moved. Right. That's the worst. Um, yeah, no, I had that happen. I have these like Rubbermaid drawers. Um, and I went to pack last time I moved and realized that like there was still tape keeping one of the drawers shut. So like I definitely had not even opened the drawer <laughs> since I moved into that house. Yeah. And I was like, man, I need to get rid of this stuff. But it's all these cords and like they could – I could need one. Zach, you might need one of those cords. You never – you never know when you'll be trying to plug something in and the cord you need is the one you threw away. I don't know. No, that's my fear. That's why I still have that drawer that, I mean, I took the tape off this time, but I've not opened it really. And it's, it's why <laughs> it's like tough. you don't throw away the one double a battery you, you might think is dead because you never know when you'll need that almost dead double a battery. <laughs> so true. That yeah. is so true. It's gotta be like hanging out in a drawer in your kitchen somewhere. But it's always there, and that's what comforts us, just the comfort of knowing that it's there. <laughs> okay, so in Phoenix, where I'm from, we have uh, Camelback Mountain. I don't know if you've ever been to Phoenix or heard of Camelback Mountain. Um, Zach, I've you... been to Phoenix. It was a long time ago. I didn't go to Camelback Mountain. Zach, you hiked it, right, at one point? No, I, I did the other one Okay, that got renamed because it was, it was offensive. It, was, it used to be Squaw Peak, yeah. and I guess Squaw is like a really bad word. Yeah. Um, so I guess bleep that. No. But uh, – it, and now it's Piestawa. Yeah, anyway, it wasn't right. Camelback. So on Camelback Mountain, there's a rock, and it looks like a. It's called the Praying Monk. Okay, and the the it's way bigger than an actual monk because you can see it from the road. But the story goes that this monk was climbing up this mountain, and he couldn't make it all the way up the mountain. But he was too scared to leave behind some of his possessions. So instead, he got turned to stone. So instead of mm. completing his journey up the mountain, he was bogged down with what he had and he didn't want to ditch it. So he chose just to die and become a giant rock in that place, uh, which, which I've always found. So he clearly didn't read Haley's book. <laughs> right. I, if he did, that would have been more impressive because I assume that this legend is hundreds of years old, right? So... If he went into True. the future in some like Doctor Who scenario where he was able to track down the book, uh, but yeah, I've always I've always found that story fascinating because of the underlying idea of like sometimes we have to ditch things and sometimes to get to where we need to go, especially in the spiritual life, we have to get rid of. We can't be scared to get rid of things, um, and we see it like 
in the music we listen to or the movies we watch or even just some of the clothes we have, the idea that we should be able to ditch these things is really tough. Like it, we get, we create all sorts of unnecessary attachments. Mm-hmm. Um, and sorry, you were about to say something. Well, I, I think that's really insightful and I think it has to do with our desire for control mm-hmm. and desire for security and that we somehow feel like, well, if I have this stuff and if I ever need it, you know, I, I have a plan for it. whatever happens. I've got this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it makes us feel like we're in control of our lives or in control of what happens to us. at some kind of a security blanket. Right. Um, and I think it also, it, as Americans, we like to be self-sufficient and we like to be individualistic and we don't like to be like beholden to anyone. Sure. And so the idea that like, oh, well, if I get rid of this thing, I might have to ask a friend to borrow theirs is like this horrifying idea. Oh, to interesting. Us. I had never thought about it that way. Um, yeah. And so I think that part of it is being willing to sometimes need the help of other people or our community. Oh, interesting. Okay. So there's a pride. We take pride in knowing we have everything and we don't need anybody else's help, but sometimes we need help. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think that's a piece of it. And I think it also ties into when we aren't as attached to our stuff, we have the ability to be more generous. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we could actually be contributing to a community that is helping each other um, when we aren't as attached to our things. One thing that I know they have these chapters all over, um, but we have one in our neighborhood in Waco, Texas. It's called a Buy Nothing Group. And so it's on Facebook, but they might meet other places, but the only places I've seen them is on Facebook. And so you're just part of this group of just people in your kind of part of town or or a small town, if you live in a small town. And if you have something you don't need, you just post it in the group. And it's a local gift economy. So it's not for barter and it's not, nobody's going to buy what you post. It's just a gift to whoever needs it. And then somebody can come and pick up whatever the thing that you don't need is. And you can meet your neighbor and you can talk to them and make connections. And now they have a thing that they need that you didn't need. Um, or vice versa. You know, if you need something, you can post in the group. I'm looking for, I don't know, an air mattress or, or whatever it is to mm-hmm. borrow or if someone has one they don't want anymore. And so often somebody just has one. Like our um, laptop charger died the other day and I was like, oh, no, I need to go purchase a new laptop charger. But then I was like, oh, hang on. And those are really oddly expensive no matter what kind of laptop you have. They're like yeah. 80 bucks. And so yeah. I was like, well, maybe I should just check. Like maybe somebody in the group has one. And then a, a former professor of mine was in the group and was like, oh, hey, Haley. Yeah, I've got an extra laptop charger because I got a different kind of laptop. And so it's just I, I like how it's this give and take of trying to help other people other people helping you, being part of a community, and um, not trying to hold on to all this stuff we don't need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, other than other than being social and meeting people, that group sounds great. I like to. If, is there a way we can do that without actually having to like uh, you know be face to face with other living humans or? 
Sometimes people are like putting this on a box on my porch. Oh yeah, no, that's good. If you want the address, which is fine too. I, I like the idea of someone saying, "I'm going to put this on a box on someone else's porch, so you don't even have to come up to my home." <laughs> like one thing I've heard about the apostles is we hear about how they were fishermen primarily, and I think for us we're like, okay, yeah, fishermen. That's probably not super lucrative, but in fact that was actually like a pretty stable career and they would have actually been pretty well off for, Mm -hmm. for their time. And, um, you know, like I think we like to tell ourselves, Oh, if I have more money, I'll be able to give more money, et cetera, et cetera. But it's kind of the opposite. So like, it probably wasn't easy for the apostles to literally just leave their nets and, and go, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they, there had to be a detachment that they embraced at least once they were asked, you know, because they they weren't destitute by any means. Like they were, they were fishermen, which apparently was a really, you know, solid career. It'd be like being an attorney or a doctor or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like how does that tie into kind of the, the spirit of being detached or, you know, not, not having too many things. Yeah. I think part of that is like being willing to put your life under the control of God and where he's calling you. Mm-hmm. And if we're so attached to not just our stuff, but like other ideas, like our, our plans or our expectations, um, then it's really hard to leave those things behind. Even if God probably has a much better plan for us than we have for ourselves. Like I definitely would not have expected to be a mother of four at 33 mm-hmm. and Catholic <laughs> that none of that would have been expected at all. Um, but now I like look around at my life and I'm like, wow, like God had all these plans for me and it's really fantastic. And it wasn't at all what I expected. And what if I had been so opposed, like, so holding on to my own plans and my own ideas of what my life should look like, I would have missed out on so many things. Oh yeah. Well, the spiritual yeah. aspect of detachment and of letting go is huge. And, like you said, you're a mother. You're a married mother of four. I, I say this with all caution, but we're even supposed to be detached from our family in a certain certain way, right? Like a, a disordered attachment, not like a you know a motherly attachment, but like anything that's disordered. So we're, the call for detachment is huge, and it's incredibly tough, right? But the the spiritual benefits are incredibly great, and it's not, and it's not like a it's like a not necessarily like a not caring of this world, but it's like you said, more of a trust in God that uh, you start at point A and then you end up at a, an, on a farm with four kids at thirty three, right? Like it's <laughs> it basically basically that idea. It where did you where were you born? Where did you come from? So I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Daniel grew up in New Orleans and then moved to Florida and we met in high school. Okay. Um, And then I moved to Texas for college and then he followed me out there. Okay. So so we converted after college when we had our first baby and realized that we believed in the sacrament of baptism and we need to get our baby baptized. Oh, that's awesome. And we wanted to raise him Catholic. And so 
I actually asked our Baptist minister if he would just baptize our baby. I was like, could you just, you know, just this <laughs> once? And he was like, no, like, it's just not part of our tradition. And I was like, really? Because, okay. Um, but, yeah, so we converted um, when our first child was, uh, right after he was born, we started doing RCIA and entered the church about, let's see, that was 2000. 10 so about eight years ago wow that's amazing love love a good conversion story love any conversion story (laughs) as a matter of fact it's kind of funny because like if you really think about it with attachment to your own plans it doesn't make sense because you're kind of like you know okay god yes you created the universe but i have some really good ideas too (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, like starting a podcast with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think what you said though about even detachment from our our family, like that's a, that's an important point because I think sometimes we think about the Christian life and our devotion to God and what He's calling us to as something that would like diminish our love for other things. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we can't enjoy other things or like we have to love God. So we can't, you know, love these other people. You know, we'd be focused on God. But then finding that when we do order our lives towards loving God, then it's like it opens up more love for all of these other things. And, you know, if we love the creator, then we're going to love his creation even more. That right. there's going to be vibrance and wonder um, with the way we view the world and and the people that he's made in his image. And so I think that sometimes we're just scared. I I think, and me included, like I feel afraid to take those steps towards loving God first. When, when, you know, when you think about it, that's so ridiculous because obviously that would just mean more love for everything. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the, that's what charity is, right? Love of God and love of, people for the sake of God. So you're, if you're do ever, doing everything in accordance with the will of God, of course you're going to see it for what it truly is and love it for what it truly is. But in the moment, we're just like, uh, but I don't want to. Because we just can't, <laughs> we can't see past five steps in front of us, really. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all a process, all growth. Zach, what do you got? I mean, no, I think that's exactly right. I think when we, yeah, when we do put love of God first, everything else kind of falls into place. And, um, you know, we, it also, I think it allows us to love unconditionally because, you know, when you love somebody because they were created by God and because God loves them, like that doesn't change. So whether that person does something good, does something bad, you know, like you're, you're able to actually love them unconditionally. And so, um, yeah, but it, like you said, it is hard in the moment. You're like, no, but I have these things and these plans and I, you know, like I'll, I'll trust God as soon as I, you know, have enough savings or, you know, as soon as I finish this or that, like you've always kind of got like your, you kind of make it your fallback plan. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. What I think that's really easy to do. What is the toughest thing you've ever had to give away in your life or the toughest thing you've ever had to like deny like you, you could be either an item or like something in your life. You thought it was heading a certain way, but you had to actually turn the corner and go a different way. Have you thought about that before? 
Gosh, that's such a good question. I'm trying to think. Mm, by the um, way, just just by the way, to let people in, we're on video and we're we see your daughter just resting on your shoulder, and it is so <laughs> adorable. I'm getting lost in in your snoozy little daughter. She's a sweetie. Yeah. Okay, so I think this because I've been thinking about this lately, and this has to do with parenthood, mm-hmm. but I think it applies to different vocations. Just this is how God worked this in my life. So for, let's see, my husband and I, we were like 22 when we got pregnant with our first baby. So we were, you know, young and stupid mm-hmm. and selfish and all, yep, of, yep, all of those things yep. that just come with being young. And, um, and I think that that like experience of becoming a parent and having like none of your things come first anymore. Hmm. Like your, your time, your plans, like all these things, you're not in control of them in the same way. And it's like incredibly brutal experience. Um, even just like sounds silly, but something like just being at your sleep interrupted over and over and over again, night after night. Um, and it just is really difficult at first. And I, so I think for me, the hardest thing I've ever had to give over to God is just like my time, like having things under my control. And I was thinking today because um, I had a few minutes to work on a writing project and then the baby woke up. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to work on that. And I remember thinking like, wow, like I couldn't have done that 10 years ago mm-hmm. without feeling like super frustrated or super angry. Like, well, I was owed this time. This was my time. Um, and I was supposed to have it to do with what I wanted. Um, so I think the hardest thing I've ever had to give up is like that control over my time. And it's definitely still a struggle for me, but I was just thinking today, like it's exciting looking back and seeing that I have made progress in like handing this over to God as part of my motherhood. Um, and I have a very long way to go, but it's exciting when you like can look back five or 10 years and be like, Oh, I'm not just stalled out spiritually. You know, maybe I have like, God has been drawing me forward. It's just been so slow that maybe I didn't notice until I looked back far enough. Wow. That was an amazing answer. I don't, I don't know what I expected to hear, but that was great. That. <laughs> I, I like while you're while you're talking about giving up in the con, the idea of your time and, and my time and you're talking about raising your kids, Zach and I are like, man, we need to end this podcast so we can go out and get hammered at the bars. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. Just kidding, people. I haven't been to a bar in years. Um, yeah, I was like, and you don't drink any alcohol. I don't. <laughs> okay, no, that was great. So that I guess I guess that gets to the point of, of your book. Like, is that, is that not, maybe not that specific example, but is that what you kind of want people to take away from the, I, from your book, like the idea of what is really ours and what we really have possession of, or what am I totally off base there? Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also one of the other big pieces that I hope people take away from it is that, you know, we live in this culture that's really, um, doesn't help us in our spiritual lives, in our pursuit of Christ. Oh yeah, absolutely not. And, 
And so to, um, to really radically pursue the gospel, we have to go against the grain and that that is possible. And it doesn't mean that like we all have to move to farms and give away everything we have, but it just means there are small ways that we can put into practice and build habits that help us see the world with like clear vision. Because I, I mean, I notice in my own head all the time, this, these ideas from the throwaway culture. And I, I, I notice them most not in how I treat like the earth's resources, but how I treat other people, like mm-hmm. treating other people as um, things to like commodities for my consumption, like right. they're to be used by me for, for, for whatever thing. Um, and really trying to shift that focus in seeing um, myself and other people as human beings made in the image of God that have this eternal and like incredible value beyond anything that they could do for me or way they could make me feel. Um, and so I think like, that's what I hope people take away from it is that we can notice those thoughts in our heads and we can do things to change that and um, change the way we're living. And that it, I, I think so often it's just easy to do the things like check all the boxes because that's what like as millennial Americans we're supposed to do. Like you do college and then you get a job and then you buy a house or, you know, just like whatever the check boxes are for us. Right. That we just don't have to do it that way. <laughs> we can do it. However, um, however we can best pursue Christ. The detachment of not checking off boxes. I like it. Yeah. And not seeing people as like human resources or human capital, but as like human persons. almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, our next door neighbors, our family members, whoever we come in contact with. Um, and I think that's something that just takes a lot of time. And I mean, I've been thinking about this for a few years and wrote a book on this. And I'm still like, I find these thoughts in my head all the time where I'm like, why couldn't I have just like stopped and had a conversation with my loquacious next door neighbor? Mm-hmm. Like, what did I really have to do that was more important than having that conversation with my neighbor? Like not really anything. Um, so just noticing those things in our heads and trying to um, fix our vision that's been clouded by the culture that we live in. Yeah, amazing. At, I like it. At Haley Carrots on Twitter. If you've if you've if you're listening to us, odds are you've heard of Haley. I'm, I don't think we're breaking any news on who you are, but Haley Stewart, the grace of enough, pursuing less and living more in a throwaway culture. That's her book. You should buy it. It gets the Roman Circus stamp of approval. A uh, perfect gift for the eleventh day of Christmas. <laughs> that's exactly, exactly. The, you know, the good gift giving day of the eleventh day of Christmas. Just carry it into your eleventh day of Christmas party as a hostess gift. Yeah. What there is you your go. What is your favorite favorite eleventh day of Christmas food? What do you like to eat on this day? <laughs> Oh goodness! What is that? Like January fifth? Is that well, January fourth? Haley, 5th? Haley, just it's January the fourth today. Haley, just look <laughs> at the calendar because that is today. All right. Well, my husband does make a cocktail for Epiphany, so depending on what day is um, 
epiphany is it sometimes it's moved to a different day other than the sixth but we could do no that doesn't happen in on the roman circus podcast epiphany (laughs) is is always january 6th okay it is well i appreciate that because it's frustrating when you don't get a whole 12 days before epiphany you know i've I've been to sometimes i've been to mass it's like january 4th and they're like celebrating epiphany so epiphany is on january 6th this year oh good yeah just as it should be it should, or yeah. So Sunday, January sixth, we did it. All right, oh, okay. Haley. So yeah, it'll be on January sixth for everybody. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Check her out. See her on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah. Tomorrow. Thanks for having me. Tomorrow's the big day, day twelve, wrapping this sucker up. <laughs> there we go. See you later. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.